Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Capitals of the world. As Holland takes over on the mound, uh, I made a comment earlier tonight that uh, I guess uh, went out over the year that I am deeply ashamed of. I understand why a white factory worker who's seen his wages cut or his job shipped overseas might feel like the government no longer looks out for him. He understands why a white factory worker might feel that way. We know how the whites feel. There's a little more to that quote. We'll play the whole thing. But to me, that was a big takeaway from uh, yesterday, from last night, from the Obama speech, which is fine. It's a fine speech. If you, if you like Obama, you'll love the speech. Um, it, it, I think it was pretty standard Obama. It was well done, well, a well-written speech, uh, well-acted, you know, well-delivered. And... Um, it was just fine, but that line, that line gets me, and it's something that he's always had. Barack Obama's always had this thing. This, It's not really a disdain, but it's an arrogant framing of, and characterization, and it's a stereotyping of white, of white people and their concerns. I don't think, I don't think he's a racist, and, and I, um, I've I don't have a lot of general personality personality character criticisms. I don't think of of President Obama. I do. I, I think his his administration was horribly damaging to the country and a disaster. And if if the folks now who are so hyper focused on uh, Donald President Trump had just been focused on Obama to the same degree, then we would have uh, avoided a lot of the national anxiety and um, and um, this um, the hyper, hyper uh, divided state that we are in now. But it wasn't it wasn't done back then. 
So here's my problem. Well, first of all, a couple things are going on here. One, we're going to talk to VB in a second. VB is, uh, he hosts a show here in Boston, WRKO, at, um, from 12 to 3. And uh, I've known him for a long time, radio producer. I probably wouldn't have gotten into radio or this podcast if it weren't for VB. And <clears throat> let's see. So, so I'm going back and forth with him. I was on his show today. He just sent me a picture of him. He's eating Chinese food right now, and he doesn't know how to do it right. And I can't believe it. I can't believe how inept he is at this. He sends me a picture, and on his plate, there's beef teriyaki on a stick. I understand that. There are those um, are those fried wontons, the things that are dough with the little pierogi inside. And those are fine. I mean, not an all-star at a at, for Chinese food. They're fine. I mean, they they should be passed off at a at a dinner party, maybe. Um, people like the dumplings, so the, whatever those dumpling things are. And I, but usually it comes with a really sharp soy saucy kind of thing. Of course, he's not using that. And then he's got a chicken on a skewer, which is I mean, it's Chinese. I know where he went too. Um, I forgot what it's called, but it's in North Andover. It's a huge place. We'll we'll, we'll plug them. Maybe I'll get some Chinese food out of the deal, huh? Um, and then he's got a pound of white rice in the middle of the plate. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? God, it makes me mad when people don't know how to eat stuff. And he's a former fat, too. He should know this. Jeez. Loser. Anyway, he'll be on in a second. Um, so here's the here's the Obama thing. Well, okay, it, it, the stereotyping of, of, of white people. Remember he said typical white woman about his grandmother. You know, she's a typical white wo- woman. Uh, a lot of times he talked about uh, he talked about one-time conservatives, you know, they're they're not bad people, you know, they're they're generally good, generally okay. They just listen to the rock wrong talk radio. And so this is his his speech from last night. I understand why a white factory worker who's seen his wages cut or his job shipped overseas might feel like the government no longer looks out for him. So now the idea is that he's got to make sure white factory workers in the Rust Belt, the ones who voted for him in 2012 and then moved over to Trump, he's trying to get them to move back to voting Democrat for Joe Biden. I understand why a white factory worker who's seen his wages cut or his job shipped overseas might feel like the government no longer looks out for him. So what blows me away is that that's his feeling. Yeah, the typical, let's say, white factory worker. He's overweight, probably drinks beer. The crappy kind, like the the pissy kind, the, the Bud Light, Budweiser, you know, doesn't drink it. It's not artisan beer. It's not craft beer that comes in a fancy four-pack for like 26 bucks. He looks at that guy and says, you know, that's it's a factory worker, kind of a slob, not not educated. That jerk who, uh, that idiot who, who voted for Trump for, and usually the, the, the uh, insinuation is that that person is uncomfortable with changes going on in the country. In other words, the store down the street that was owned by a white person now is owned by a Latino person. And so that's how Obama says Latino. So that's why I'm saying it. So, so that he feels uncomfortable and the change is worried and he wants to go back to the way things used to be, make America great again, back when everything was owned by, you know, white people and it was Ozzy and Harry. And, it's, and that's equally insulting. But I understand why 
he says why his factory went away or in in government's not helping him government's not there for him anyway i understand why a white factory worker who's seen his wages cut or his job shipped overseas might feel like the government no longer looks out for him and why a black mom might feel like it never looked out for her at all i understand why a new immigrant might look around this country and wonder whether there's still a place for him here why a young person might look at politics right now the circus of it all the meanness so i'm going to start with the factory worker i understand why a white factory worker who's seen his wages cut or his job shipped overseas might feel like the government no longer looks out for him but that white factory worker that white factory worker has seen a lot more than that happen most recently he's seen the government that not just not look out for him but he's seen the government shut his factory down He's seen the government shut his life down, force him inside, force his family inside, take his kids out of school, tell him that if he goes outside, he's going to kill his grandmother and kill his grandparents. If he goes and has a, a beer, you know, at the back of a warehouse with a couple of his buddies, no, 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 he's, he's putting people in danger. That's what the factory worker says, that he's been told what to do. This person who's doing the right thing, he's obey, he obeys the laws. He obeys the laws, and now in this extraordinary time, government is forcing him into a very uncomfortable situation that is probably destroying his livelihood, certainly destabilizing his family. And he's taking it, and he's, you know, he obeys the laws. And at the same time, he turns on the TV... In a few miles away in the big city, you know, there are looters and rioters, protesters, looters and rioters who are encouraged to go out and just let loose. Yes, let loose. And they're encouraged and they're um, complimented. They're complimented in in uh, in media, national media and all the late night talk shows those in the morning shows and by thoughtful writers from the New York Times and by Democratic politicians everywhere, by government people who are out there with the people, taking a knee with, marching with them. The gov- same government people who told them to s- stay inside and shut up or kill grandmother are out there in these demonstrations doing this performative, uh, you know, physical routine with these people. These same people who are breaking the law. He, the, the factory worker doesn't break the law. He just works hard. He just wants to be left the hell alone. But no, everything's been taken away from him. And you've got these protesters and rioters out there. And they're completely immune from the law. Not only that, but they're being lauded and cheered by all these government people. So for Obama to say, oh, he's mad because the, his factory moved overseas. No, screw you. He's mad because he's done all the right things. And by the way, it's not just white factory workers. It's black factory workers and Latino factory It's all factory workers. They're doing the right thing. And you've completely stepped on them. And you've played favorites. That's why he's mad. It's not because he's wondering, where was, why, how come the government isn't there for him anymore? No, the government's there for him too much now. Government's got his foot in his neck. Hold on, Phoebe. I gotta text Phoebe. 
Okay. And it just, it just, it, I, I just, it's always been something with Obama. He's never understood that kind of person. He just didn't, he didn't grow up in those circles. He wasn't educated in those circles. You know, he grew up in Hawaii and, 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 and then was raised partly by his grandparents. He had a privileged life. He went to Occidental and went to Harvard, I think, no, Columbia in New York. Beautiful liberal uh, centers of education. He went to um, to Harvard Law. You know, and this is a totally elite. He went to Chicago and and uh, established himself in, in political movements through community organizing and whatever it was. But always an elite, always, always an elite. And that's fine. You 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 take the you take advantage of of what's there for you. But he's never bothered to understand. There was another. I remember one time. I mean, he remember he was always always lecturing people about you know buy smaller cars. You know you don't you don't need a big car. Buy smaller cars. You don't know what they need out there, out in the Midwest. That's harder living out there. They do real work. They build their own fences and things. They do stuff. I mean, I don't know how to do stuff. I try to do stuff, and it works out badly. But his his you know complete lack of understanding. And Trump is a kid of privilege too, but at least he was exposed to hard work around him. I don't think he ever lifted a shovel, but he saw a lot of people shoveling. But this, that, I just that, that bothers me. And he needs he needs black women to get out and vote as well for Biden. And this this assumption. I understand why a white factory worker who's seen his wages cut or his job shipped overseas might feel like the government no longer looks out for him. And why a black mom might feel like it never looked out for her at all. So what, what is that? Maybe she wants uh, job opportunities. Maybe she wants uh, to be taxed less. Maybe she wants her community to be safer. So as a mom, she doesn't have to worry about her six-year-old being shot to death, which we've seen numbers of times this year. Maybe that's what she wants from you. And where is it? You never seem to deliver it to her. Maybe she's not just somebody who... The assumption is that she's just somebody waiting around, what, for a check, for the a WIC card? Jesus, if that's not disgusting. I understand why a new immigrant might look around this country and wonder whether there's still a place for him here. How is that at all possible? A new immigrant? You land in the United States of America? There is opportunity bound in this country when we're on, when we're allowed to be on, for some reason, because cases of uh, coronavirus are, 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 you know, are increasing. Well, actually, they're decreasing now, I think, but did increase. The coronavirus killed everybody three months ago. Stop it. That part of it's over. What's happening now is something different. But still, so a new immigrant comes to this country? No. The only reason a new immigrant would come to this country and and worry if there's a place for them here is if Democrats in the media convince them that there are white supremacists around every corner. 
immigrant, immigrants come in great numbers from countries where our politics and our a cultural upheaval is kid stuff compared to what's going on in their countries. The bleep is real in other countries. You know, we get in tweet storms here. It's so cynical. It's just so cynical. Why a young person might look at politics right now. The circus of it all. The meanness and the lies. Is that new? The meanness and the lies? Obama threw bleep with the best of them. The meanness and the lies. The lies started right now. Remember what they did to Mitt Romney? Mitt Romney killed people. They got cancer and didn't have health care because of Romney's greed. Romney was a racist, remember? So was John McCain before him. And Romney also, remember, was a Mormon. It was something weird. Magic underwear stuff. Freak. When they, when Romney taper, he said that forty-seven percent essentially, uh, you know, are, aren't going to be reached by him. You remember that was a horrible thing to say. Certainly racist, but uh, what a horrible, elitist thing for him to say. That was the end. That was the end of it. That was all Team Obama. That's all Obama's people. He goes on to say conspiracies. And conspiracy theories and think, what is the point? Right, conspiracy theories. Like uh, the one that his administration cooked up and propagated and infused into the Trump administration for two and a half years. The Russia stuff was known to be bunk, zilch, zero. It was known to be nothing. Peter Strzok knew it. He said, we got nothing here. Jim Comey knew it. He and Strzok talked about it. They said, we have nothing here. There's nothing to any of this collusion stuff. We have nothing. None of the investigations led to anything. They had to, they had to create evidence, falsify evidence, just to get investigations going, just to get orders, wiretapping orders ap- approved by judges. It was all false. It was all innuendo. There was nothing to it. But they created it. Jim Comey, remember Jim Comey was all upset that Donald Trump asked him to go out and to stop. Oh yeah, he he, he asked him to go out to to stop uh, to go easy on Michael Flynn, and Comey was utterly utterly uh, offended that he Trump would do that and afraid for the republic. Comey knew at the time there was nothing on Flynn. There was nothing on it. Conspiracy theories, please, Barack Obama. Even the the uh, the birther stuff that was Sidney Blumenthal, Hillary's person, Hillary Clinton's circle in two thousand eight was the one going around to all the news media shops in Washington D.C. and telling them all about the fact that Obama wasn't born was born in Kenya. That was his baby before it was Trump's baby. Uh, VP, where are you? His second helping of Chinese food is just as lame as the first one. I. You gotta feel bad for people like that. You gotta feel bad. So tonight is by the time you're listening, if you're listening Thursday right now, then Joe Biden will have hasn't spoken at the moment, but he will have spoken by tomorrow morning. I think it'll be boilerplate speech. It, certainly, it's not going to be live, so there'll be no screw up on it. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, if they went, if they did it live, that would be horrifically stupid. It would be a dumb thing to do. He's not. He doesn't have that anymore. He's he's not. He's lost that step. He still has the, and he's also shuffling a little bit too. Sometimes he's better than others, certainly. But the other day with with Cardi B, not as not. Uh, I mean, why would you do that to him? Why would you do that to anybody? She's a kind of eccentric young lady. If you if you don't know, not maybe not all that easy for, for many people to relate to. Certainly not an eighty year old politician who's you know speaks in Washington D.C. East. I just think that was. Um, it was ill conceived, but who knows? You know, th- this Democratic convention has not been done right. It's kind of like the handling of the coronavirus in the federal level. Trump has not handled it well. This Democratic convention has not been handled well. And like the coronavirus, I don't know if there it's possible to handle it well because it's we're in a new world with new factors, and it's. I mean, oh, here's here we go, Eleanor. Here we go. Good day. Ella? Hi, Shelly. Hi, how are you? That is Ella, VB's daughter, by the way. We are rolling, VB, so this is all this all counts. <laughs> good. How are we? Hey, good. Hey, so um, so I, I was talking about the Obama speech last night, and um, I just thought, I thought it was boilerplate stuff. I had a problem with one of his, one of the things, one of the lines that he had here. I understand why a white factory worker who's seen his wages cut or his job shipped overseas might feel like the government no longer looks out for him. And I just, I just, something about the way he characterizes people in groups and a white factory worker, like he knows what that person is. That person's fat. That person is not educated. And that person's probably mad about his job going away to overseas. And, you know, that, and so that represents all, all, Every one of those people, you know, and I—that's—that's that's my big problem with last night's with last night's uh, speech. Tell me what you thought generally about his speech. It started great. His his minute on the Constitution was good, and he, unlike AOC and the people in Portland and Seattle, and a lot of the Democrats who want to tear everything down and build anew, he clearly thinks we have a good thing going. You know, just a little bit here and there, which. You know, in 2020, is pretty moderate when you get right down to it. But then the ugliness of attacking a sitting president, you know, the guy that took over for you had never been done before. And if you listen to some of the Democratic commentators talking about that, they all are purposely trying to avoid saying whether they liked it or not, because it's a really bad precedent. And he made a conscious decision to do it last night when it's really really never been done at that level. I mean, he told you that Trump would break all the rules, that Trump isn't fit for the job. He doesn't know what he's doing. He has no interest. He's not trying. I mean, he went really personal. Presidents don't do that in the presidential fraternity. Right. And, you know, it it seems to me that if you really believed that there's going to be a problem with the transition of power with Trump, then you'd want to be very sober and careful about how your side acts. You'd want to look like the serious side if this thing turns into a struggle, but they're not. They're just they're just totally flaming him. Yeah, I you know I try to be objective in these things, but I was turned off by how aggressive he was there. And then he said some stuff about Biden. You know, 
when I took him as vice president, I knew he'd be a good politician, but I didn't know he'd be my brother. Well, that's nonsense. I mean, everybody knows that while Biden was his, hey, Spike, do you want to go play, huh? Do you, do you, do you? Biden never, <laughs> Obama never looked at Biden that way. He was always like, yeah, go get some burgers. And we know that for a fact, because in 2016, Biden wanted to run for president. And it was Obama that told him, Matt, let's not do this. Hillary's the one. And then this time around, Obama again, supposedly told him, Joe, I think, you know, retirement's good for you. So twice when his brother asked for advice, the advice was don't do this because Obama didn't think he had it in him. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And he, Obama during the administration put him on ice at one point too. It might have been 2010. I forgot what year it was, but he had, a, it might have been right after Biden, uh, you know, spotted off about the swine flu and, you know, staying out of everything and, and, and sheltering in place. But they put Biden on the shelf for for a couple of years after that. All right. He also wasn't happy when Biden went on Good Morning America and was talking pro-gay marriage yeah. before Obama had finally made the opposition. And they weren't pleased about that at all. You know, one thing that I'd love to have clarified is he, he threw in the line about, uh, you know, Joe made me a better president. How so? Oh, whenever you asked him for advice, for example, should I make the move on bin Laden or mm -hmm. not? We all famously know that Biden said, no, don't. And then Obama did. And it worked. Like, how did he make you a better president exactly? Explain that, because I'm not seeing it other than saying this is a big bleeping deal when he handed him a pen. Right. And you know, it was supposed to be that Joe was going to handle the, the the recovery and the summer of recovery because nobody messes with Joe. And that went nowhere, nowhere either. He, Joe Biden is a, is a hacks hack. He reminds me of and that's fine. Those are all over D.C. You know, you spend enough time there and you you lose the ability to speak anything but politics. And he reminds me a little bit of um, Richie Neal in Massachusetts. You know, they've got the big teeth, the good smile, the attaboy, and you know they've been there forever. And they're people, they're people, person, people, but they're they're cyborgs, really. And Biden's no different than one of those. He look, there's there's swamp, and then there's swamp, and Biden has tried to distance himself from the. He was all part of the Ted Kennedy, Chris Dodd, uh, you know, that whole group of senators that was there. Biden was very much a part of that. And that's why at the time, the idea of him running the Anita Hill hearings was always like, huh. And then when it went <laughs> as awful as it did, it was all like, mm-hmm. And which is why he says, now, I wish she could have got the hearing she deserved. Well, you were running it. You could have given it to her, but you didn't. And that's one of the conundrums that Biden has that, that the Dems all have is, They'd have you believe that there's something that the evidence tells you they're not. And I, I know all politicians do that. Trump's no different there. But Biden has a 40 plus year record of doing that. That's tough to get away from. Hence the crime bill problem that he has, for example. All right. Um, I want to move on here to something. This is really why I wanted you. And we're going to go on to afterwards your um, ridiculous manner of eating Chinese food. I feel so bad for you. Is this how is it? Have you done it this way your whole life? If I belch at any point, it's because that chicken oh. teriyaki is coming back, and I hope oh, it does. Because man, was it good going down the first time. That's disgusting. So you're familiar with Rob? It's a Rob Brennanman of the Cincinnati Reds, the broadcaster. Uh, isn't it Tom Brennanman? Is it Tom yeah. Brennanman? Okay, Brennanman. Let me find it. <laughs> Have you heard this audio? I have. I still, it's amazing to me that we don't know the full backstory and why it is that he said what he said. What was the content? I assume that he was talking down the line to the guy at the at, in the studio who's running the running the board 
in all the spots and giving the drops, talking down the line to him, and probably, you know, they were shooting the breeze, probably about uh, what cities are good or what cities are not, and something like that. I assume I mean, you've talked down the line to, to, to hosts, and some are more careful than others, but, I mean, you can be, the IFB, you know, you can be, you can get pretty racy depending on who the host, as a, as a, as a producer, when you were a producer, I mean, there's a lot of back talk that people never hear that's freaking incredible. You know, I, it, I know that when, when I used to run the board for Michael Graham, when long cuts would play, we'd talk back and forth in the IFB. And if any of that stuff went on the air, that would have been it. Just it. But what I, I, I'm, I feel in a broadcasting sense, I feel bad for this guy. Now I know he used a, a terrible slur, and I don't know what the hell he was thinking, and whatever. But so here's he. This is him during the game. I want to set this up. This is him during the game. It's the Reds playing. Who are they playing? I don't even know. I think St. Louis or no Kansas City. Yeah. So it it, it sounds like in and um it sounds like they've come back from break, and there's a few seconds before he's prompted to stop to, to talk, and he just starts talking. Hey, by the way, are you are you hearing me? Okay, are you getting an echo or anything? No, all good. Good. All right. So this is what he says. Capitals of the world. One of the homosexual slur capitals of the world, and then he's British cigarettes. It would be you know when we were kids, (laughs) that was the thing (laughs) I was used to say. Yeah, right. Which is the thing. That's the. It's you know I get why you say you want to feel sorry for him, but on the other hand, who? When was the last time you heard that word? Right. Like, that word went out a while ago. And right. he threw it out there like, he says that every day, man. Oh. He was real comfortable with it. Oh, totally. And it's in the way he says it is a is a malicious and mean way, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's like, it's like he's talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah the women in beautiful, are beautiful in Seattle, but have you been to Seattle? Have you been to San Fran? Yeah, one of the bleep capitals of the world. It's like said in a real punk-ass way, kind of, like in a... It's it's yeah it's said horribly and that's not why I feel bad for him at all. So so seconds after that he gets into program gets into you know broadcasting. Reds live the pregame show presented by Ray St Clair Roofing. But the Reds were live a few seconds earlier <laughs> without him knowing. <laughs> well, you know what happened? I think or what might have happened in this does it? They were showing a like a shot of the field and they're coming. Usually the guy's mic isn't on. Right. So they don't turn that on until it's it's really go time. It it could have been that the the producer or the EP or the somebody the director of the thing hit the button five seconds earlier than they normally would have, and when they're just showing the field, he's not supposed to be talking, but he's never on then, and he was this time. But you, you know, the thing is, Shattuck. There's been so many announcers over the last couple of years that have gotten caught and or gotten burned saying things when they shouldn't have or using phrases that they know better than to use. I don't know how any of these guys find themselves in this situation now. I really don't. It'd be one thing if this happened in like 2015 and you didn't have like the Sacramento Kings guy this year. You didn't have the Oklahoma City guy last year, et cetera, et cetera. There's been a number of these guys broadcasters should know now look you're gonna burn yourselves and there is a zero tolerance with this stuff and yet he was just completely oblivious right and 
And I think maybe because of the unorthodox situation we're in, where where it's totally different now. There's no real, there's no crowds. the 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 rhythm and the meter of the game is totally off now. It's a it's a totally different thing. But <laughs> this is what this is where the where as a human being, I think he said a big and horrible thing, and 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 you can't have somebody like that on staff. It's it sounds too it's too hateful. Well, I wouldn't. Would you fire him? I wouldn't. I mean, I I but the first job I ever had in radio, my boss said, "Look, I can forgive anything once," and I've always liked that philosophy of. Look, things happen and you make mistakes. You do it once, we can talk about it. You do it a second time, we're not talking about it. It's over. But this guy's never going to do that sort of thing again. And you can't just be looking to just gut a guy at the first blush. I mean, he's a, he's a good broadcaster. He's been doing this a yeah. long time. His father was a legendary broadcaster. I mean, one slip and you're going to go? I mean, that's, that is a crazy bar. Right. And, and we do – would I fire him? I, well, that's different than do I think he should be fired. <laughs> so I think probably if this is a one-off, then he probably should get a second chance, depending on his apology. You know, if if we if it turns out that he's got a, a homophobic, uh, you know, hobby lifestyle, then no, then he goes. But if he if he if he said something disgusting one time like this and they caught him, then then I would. I mean, the guy apologized profusely. That's what I'm going to play now. And this I've never heard before. Oh, my so, God. You haven't heard this? No, no. This I have. But I've never seen something like this ever happen before. Where essentially somebody told him, <laughs> shouted down the line to him, or yeah. came and talked to him and said, by the way, when you just said the F word, it went over the air. And he must have gone white. His heart must have stopped yeah. and said, oh. Yeah. I mean, we've all been in situations in broadcasting where we've said some stuff that's iffy. I, I've never done anything, anything like like that where it was, oh, bleep. But he must have, I mean, he knew right then he went from alive to dead. Dead but standing there temporarily. So he goes back a, a little bit later, one of the a few innings later or whatever it is, he... Um, Somehow he gets the news, and he's doing a play-by-play, and, uh, you know, he, he pivots. As Holland takes over on the mound, uh, I made a comment earlier tonight that uh, I guess uh, went out over the year that I am deeply ashamed of. Uh, if I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a a man of faith. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it'll be a home run. Jesus. And so that'll make it a four nothing ball game. How do you do th- how do you do that? We've got to do the play by play. Meanwhile, you are uh, piercing your heart with a dagger on on the altar in front of people. You know that you're dead. That you've been already shot in the head. The paperwork's just waiting to come through, and you've got to do the play-by-play. And plus, you're sitting there going, "Could you take a pitch? Did you right. have to hit a homer? Right. Like, the one thing he can't have then is a home run. Otherwise, you almost don't even have to acknowledge it. The pictures will tell the story, but the guy has the homer as you're about to lay out like you're. Oh, you're gonna play the God card, right? I'm a deeply religious guy. Mm, whatever but you're gonna sell that 
And then in the middle of that, oh, geez, the guy went deep to left center. We gotta, I can't not acknowledge that because he is the broadcaster, right? Yes. And then yeah. your mojo's done. It's over. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wait, and you're so right because it's like it's the slowest game in the world. And right now it decides to be accelerated yeah. really fast. I mean, he it was a bad night. Like he wasn't yes. catching a break after he made, was really stupid. And they were going to make sure. <laughs> it just it didn't it went from bad to worse. I mean, it's a legendary quote, quote unquote apology. There was that burp that I was hoping I was going to get, Chad. Oh, Jesus, but Jesus. man, yeah. Oh, and there's a home run. Like, uh, and he can't he can't emote positively for the home run and do what comes natural to him because he's giving a heartfelt. Oh no! You know, back, 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 back. <laughs> By the way, I get back to the apology. Like you can't do that thing. Because the one that I remember. The only one I can remember, we were talking about this at work today, when Ray Rice, the whole Ray Rice thing happened in the NFL, they had a, a Monday night game or a Sunday night game on ESPN, and Chris Berman and Trent Dilfer were talking about it, and Trent Dilfer said, look, I'll, I'll take a second here and tell you, I think this is really bad for the NFL, I think they're going to have a lot, of, and as he starts to say, and I think they're going to have a lot of, Berman goes, a block pun! <laughs> <laughs> And it's the same thing where it's like, how? How do you have – now you blocked the punt. It happens one out of 50 times. But you do it when I'm laying bare the NFL's thoughts on Ray Rice. So oh. it has happened before. But in that case, it wasn't the guy actually apologizing. That's where with Brenneman, like, oh, my God. I, it's just unbelievable. And I can't get over the fact that he had to go back, that he went to, that he didn't take the pitch. It's like the – the, the Paul Reiser, there used to be a Paul Reiser bit where Paul Reiser said, do you ever notice that when you're trying to eat in the car, you want the red light to stay longer? And you're like, oh, come on, when it turns green too fast. But other than that, usually you want it to always turn green. Paul Reiser might have said it better. All right. And then he said, well, then he said, too, like, I don't know that I'll be back broadcasting. Let me play that. Let me play right now. Yeah, no, I, I don't think we again. do know that. I don't know if it's going to be for the Reds. I don't know if it's going to be for my bosses at Fox. I want to apologize for the people who signed my paycheck for the Reds, for Fox Sports Ohio, for the people I... That's a line right on the third baseline. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, he had a little time in this one. ...work with for anybody that I've offended here tonight. I can't begin to tell you how deeply sorry I am. That is not who I am uh, and never has been. And I'd like to think maybe I could have some people that... Uh, to back that up. Ideally, the next two seconds. But, I, I mean, I how can that be where, you know, I, I'd love to believe him, and he's he's selling it, but that's not who I am. It's not who I've ever been. All you got to do is play the thing again, and the tone in which he delivers that line, that is not the first time he's used that phrase ever. No way. And so that's the problem that he has. <laughs> and I know my blame capitals, let me tell you. There's San Fran. There's well, that's what I was wondering. It was a Reds-Royals game. Like, what was he talking about? I, I don't know, but nobody's talking. Somebody said it. he might have been quoting a scene from Blazing Saddles, although he doesn't have the line at all right. Even then, Blazing Saddles has been in the news. You know to watch yourself, but he didn't. Yeah, but I would also think that maybe... 
And if it was that, he would have said it, wouldn't he? I I got caught quoting a movie because we were having a conversation about or something. He didn't say that. So I doubt that theory. But, uh, oh, yeah. And also, like, who would say, you know what I'm going to do in the next break? I want to go to my Blazing Saddles quotes. And then I'll go to, in the third inning, I'll use uh, the best of Eddie Murphy, Delirious. And then uh, Andrew, the dice man cometh, and the next inning is like maybe you'd want to stay away from all that just for the the heck of it. And also maybe you'd want to, if you have a problem with gay people, maybe you use a euphemism or something. You know, maybe. <laughs> I, I keep telling people. Some of my audience gets mad about this, but they're they're the world is turned upside down. You know, George Carlin used to have a funny bit about the words you can't use, but there should be a list because. That's one of them. That's on there. It's in the top five. Do not utter that phrase. Do not type that phrase. Do not even think it. Because if you do, you're going to be gone. There's the N-word. There's the second N-word. There's the P-word. There's that F-word. Don't say those words, man, ever. I don't care what the context are. Because if somebody hears you or if somebody's rolling, you're in serious hot water. And Brenneman now knows that. Have you ever been in that position where... Not with not not using that word or whatever, but when you've realized that you stepped in it to the point. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, can you think of it at a time? Yeah, well, no, I know. So from what happened here, like I've been where you were joking with a guy down the line, the producer, and somebody was in the room that you didn't know was in the room because yes. you're not in the room, and something is said, and then you're going to do it. Well, this wasn't me, by the way. But then there had to be a staff meeting, and there had to be basically what he did, which was that I never meant to imply, and I'm not like that. And the other person gave the look like, you know I don't believe you, but what am I going to do? I have to pretend I'm accepting this apology. And everybody went, wow, that was awkward. And that that happens more often than you think. Do you not remember the uh, the Amy Roback in, uh, incident from earlier this year where they had the tape of her ripping her bosses yes. because they wouldn't run her Epstein thing? Same thing. Live mic, she doesn't think they're rolling, and she's going, these idiots, I got, a, I got an exclusive, and they're too gutless. They won't run it. Well, then the bosses saw the tape because she wasn't thinking. It, it happens way more than you think. Yeah, and they fired the producer for that. And, and, and I, this producer is probably going to get whacked too. If he was the one talking to, to this guy, then um, then I think he would have to go. There was, there was one time. The only time I've ever seen somebody, and seen them be informed of something, and before they were fired, and both occasions were when I worked in hotels. In both were occasions, one guy was on drugs. We had this this concierge. I was a concierge at the hotel, and two of us work at the same time in this little window. And one of the guys was a 22-year-old kid, and he was going out every night. And Brennan wouldn't have liked him. Um, and he was out every night in drugs and booze and just having a real great time for a 21-year-old. And he came into his shift one day when I was in there, and he was high as a co- – he was out of it. And he started to, in, in the back shelf where you can see, where the guests can see, he curled up and started to go to sleep. And I said, I'll call him Brad. I said, Brad, you can't do this, man. You're messed up right now. You should go home. You can't sleep there because guests are coming to us right now. And you're there right behind me sleeping on the shelf, you know, with like where the trolley tickets are and like and brochures. Yeah, yeah. There's an unconscious kid there. And I said, you need to get up and get out of here. 
And he said, no, I don't. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And, and he went and he fell asleep. And then they escorted him out. And the next day, he had no... The eventually security the guests saw him like what's going on somebody seems to be in trouble there and like i don't know uh, jesus and the next day he he woke up and came back into work and next to me and i said i i don't think you're supposed to be here i think that you don't work here anymore and he's like what are you talking about i said you came in yesterday man and you slept back there and he's like what no and i said yeah you were unconscious for like an hour before somebody poured you into a cab or something I don't know that you work here anymore. And he's like, what? And then I saw it hit him. And he's like, oh, my God. I don't – I have no recollection of yesterday. And the security came and caught him and said, dude, you're all, you're all done. It was it was like two, two of those things happened at the same time. Another kid was out drinking. Um, was out drinking. He worked at the hotel and then came back in w- w- obliterated, wasted, so that it had like the shark eyes with no, no human signs of human life behind him. And he wanted to fight people in his own lobby. And the manager, a woman, came down and told him he has to leave. And he wanted to fight her. And he was saying all sorts of horrific, dirty things. And and the next day, he called me in the morning. And he's like, uh, hey, Tom, want to go for a jog? And I said, are you you all right? And, I, and he said, yeah, but we I, we can go for a jog before I go to work. And I said, man, you don't you don't work anymore. You're They absolutely bleep canned you. And he's like, what? What do you mean? And it's like, yeah, well, I can tell you if you want to know. And I told him. He's like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, Jesus. And it's that moment of, of like realization. I, I think that um, in, in radio, I saw it one time somebody who we both were well. But remember DePietro in radio? They, yeah, they yeah. got him on 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 some colorful stuff as well, and and he didn't really see it coming. Um, and so there is that moment of what the holy holy hell! But it's like I guess you know what it is. It's it's the Bud Fox moment, right? When Bud walks into yeah. the office, yeah, and he's busted. dated reference to be sure. You're older than me, but <laughs> yeah, well, that's from Wall Street. Where Bud Fox has been insider trading, and he goes <laughs> in, and the feds are in there, and he's all chipper at first, and then he's he realizes that he's a dead man. And I mean, it's that it's that kind of thing. Have you have you ever gotten in trouble in, in any of your menial jobs? Did you you must have in Ashburnham or uh, Al Alsai Space? Where where did Jasper. No, uh, VB the Wise is an earned name, Shattuck, so I can't help you with that. But what I will tell you is, this is a, another example of Tom Brenneman had it all. He he had the cushiest gig that was never going to go away. He was very good at it, or is very good at it, and we'll see how it plays out. But it shows you how it can change in an instant. And if you don't know now as a broadcaster or as a human being, one tweet, you're done. One Facebook, Instagram, whatever post, mm-hmm. you're done. One line on an open mic, you're done. One stupid, look. This is what the, this is what all these Karen videos are about, Shattuck, or the guy down in, you know, the guy in Florida that that had the shirt on that said 1776. He just went over to a guy and kind of looked at him like, "Stop rolling on me." That guy got fired. He didn't throw a punch. He didn't do anything. He didn't knock the guy's phone down. He said, stop recording me. And he got fired because they made it look like he was some sort of white supremacist racist who was on a tirade. And this is what people, the the way the world works right now is they're like, give me a reason. Just give me a reason to cancel you. You gotta be, you gotta be sharp, man. You gotta be paying attention at all times because you're walking on eggshells, whether you know it or not. Tom Brenneman thinks he's the best announcer in the world. He's a good one, but guess what? 
like they said in the old uh, that that series of about catching the Unabomber, man on Unabomber, you're just some Massachusetts driver that's going to be replaced by some other Massachusetts driver who thinks he's all that until they replace him with some other Massachusetts driver. And that's it, man. You better watch yourself. Oh, man. Have you seen anybody get perp walked when you were in radio? Who was, was anybody whacked when you were at RKO that you would have seen back in the, oh, I guess actually you're still kind of there. So maybe, maybe you're not allowed to, uh, unearth this stuff. well i that i mean i had but not for when i left fox the tv gig you know that was a parting of the ways with a new company it wasn't because of something that was said or done or whatever but i have seen that where somebody came back to the building thinking i may be done because of something that happened and then they were done and it is like, and the what happens in a situation like that is you get the over-the-top phoniness of, no, you're awesome, and don't you, you're going to be right <laughs> back. You're going to, you're not even going to believe it. And the second the door closes, everyone goes, they're done, they're dead, no way, oh my God, what's going to become of that person? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. After a while, you can even tell when, you can even tell when you're targeted for a whacking down the line a little bit. The, reass- yeah. the reassurance yeah. or talk about something, you know, there's something we want to look into for maybe for next month, uh, some kind of promotion that we're looking to do, whatever. And it seems like the outlines of a promotion are like, huh, well, interesting. And it's the kind of thing you'd tell me if you wanted me to focus on that and not the fact that, yeah, you know, my passcode is being changed as we speak. Okay, before I let you go, he is uh, VB on 12 to 3 on WRKO, Radio Keith Orpheum. Um, you can get RKO.com at VBTheWise on Twitter. You'll see he steals most of my good tweets and uh, tweets them himself. <clears throat> um, your um, What you've eaten for Chinese food, so the, the picture you've t- taken, and I've told the folks about this already, you have these uh, wontons, the stuffed dumpling things, and you've got a, about three and a half pounds of white rice. You've got a dry chicken skewer. And two beef teriyakis. The beef teriyakis we'll put aside because those are a good choice. All this other stuff is ridiculous. I feel bad for you that this is how you think that you're supposed to eat Chinese food. This is what you do. This is the, Your base should be this. The base is you get a bowl. You put crab rangoon on the bottom of the bowl. You then take it an entire, um, an entire carrier of hot mustard and dump that on a crab rangoon. Then you grab hot oil, which you ask for special, and you dump that in the crab rangoon. Then you can lightly... Add pork fried rice, never white rice. White rice is for the kids or the dogs. And then you pour um, you, um, lobster sauce. Uh, is it lobster sauce? Uh, yes, it's lobster sauce. Um, on top of it, so it's like a stew, and that melts into the crab rangoon, melting the cream cheese, and that's how you eat it. Why would you have this barren, like totally unsexy, dry plate of Chinese food? The only thing that makes it sexier is usually after I have that first bite of teriyaki chicken, a little bit of it oozes down off my chin onto my shirt, and I kind of rub it in there a little bit. Oh, man. I, oh, it's so delicious. And then maybe I'll dab my finger on it a little bit later. Uh, mm, yep, that was it right there. I, Yummy, that, tasty. Oh, God. You've got this like this old English or old Irish palate. It's so it's so bereft of any... Of anything, uh, you know, any dazzling tastes at all. I, I feel bad. You don't even eat uh, sushi, but this is this is so dry. There's so many good sauces that come with Chinese food. Why are you doing it to yourself? The way you eat it is you take the the 
chicken teriyaki, the beef teriyaki. You take them off the stick, you cut them up, put them over the white rice, take that soy sauce in the container, not the packets. They give you the container with it. It's a little sweeter. Uh, and you pour that over top and man, down it goes. Phenomenal. Well, I assume that you've got gluten allergies or something like that because this is a this is lame. But I will show you very shortly how to do this. What restaurant was this? I want to plug them and see if I can start getting graft. <laughs> That'd be based on how you just described what you inhale. Uh, this, that one we got some good Chinese up by us. There's two of them in particular, but that was China Blossom tonight. Fantastic, always fantastic. Never go wrong there. All right, China Blossom. All right, VB, uh, thank you very much. His name is VB. He's on, um, what is it, WRKO. I was on there today. A caller, Ray, by the way, if you go listen to this show, a caller, Ray from Lowell, gave quite an honest testimonial, and that you can just listen to that part, and then you can get right out of the the, uh, the show. It was very important. VB, thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play us out here, okay? <laughs> thank you very much, VB. I appreciate it. <laughs> this is the closing credits. Please don't laugh over them. I don't know why you're laughing. Hey, by the way, everybody, thank you for following me on Twitter at Tom Shattuck. Follow him at VB the Wise. Stop laughing. And I will see you. The show is called The Burn Barrel. I would expect some sort of sound at some point. That happened in the beginning. Now be quiet for a second. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.